Hey everyone, welcome back to New Slang. I'm music journalist Thomas Mooney. This, of course, is episode 145, where I'm joined by the Wilder Blue. You may have heard about them earlier this year when they released their proper debut album under the name Hill Country. They've gone through a name change, but for all intents and purposes, they're still playing songs from the Hill Country of Texas. The outfit is made up of Zane Williams, Paul Eason, Lyndon Hughes, Andy Rogers, and Sean Rodriguez. And on this one, we all hopped on a Zoom call for a conversation about the Wilder Blue debut album and the long process of creating that band and so on. This record they released back in the spring, it's just criminally underrated. It's vibrant, colorful, and full. I think a huge key to all of that is how they aren't really just bound to the prototypical band setup. Paul Eason, of course, is just a, a great electric guitar player and most certainly provides these crisp and bold guitars throughout the record. But this album, it's still filled up with mandolin and banjo, a little bit of accordion, and just some really great acoustic guitar as well. They most certainly don't shy away from incorporating bluegrass principles. And of course, a huge asset to all of this is just how they utilize their harmonies. It's not just three-part harmonies either. I mean, that's great as well, and there's certainly a lot of that on the album. They do a lot of really, really cool things on here. Some of it is some call-and-response type stuff. And then, then, of course, like one benefit is just having five voices. They're able to paint with different shades if they want. Zane Williams, of course, is like the quote-unquote de facto lead singer of the outfit, and he carries a lot of the lead vocal duties. But you'll notice that he isn't just singing lead on everything. And it's not just him double tracking his vocals on songs or anything. He's not singing harmony with himself, which of course happens a lot of times on albums. As mentioned during the conversations, it's all those things that have really helped them set themselves apart from the pack and given them a real refreshing feel and sound, especially here in Texas. By no stretch of the imagination, are they the only ones doing these big harmony parts? Shane Smith and the Saints are another favorite example. Actually, my old buddies, Dirty River Boys, they're criminally underrated when it comes to this. The fact remains, though, that the Wilder Blue is just doing it really, 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 really well. It's just so refreshing when a band is able to take these vibrant storytelling narrative arcs and put them together with stellar, robust harmonies. Today's presenting partner is our pals over at Desert Door Texas Soto. If you're asking yourself what exactly Desert Door or a Soto is, well, it's a premium, high-quality spirit that is similar to a tequila or a mezcal, but in my estimation, it's more refined, smooth, and fragrant. It has a distinct and intriguing palate that picks up on hints of vanilla and citrus while maintaining a healthy earthiness that is quite enjoyable. One of my favorite features about Desert Door is just how versatile it really is. If you want to feel fancy and a little highbrow, it's perfect for a variety of cocktails that call for lime wedges and coarse salt, chopped ginger, agave nectar, sprigs of thyme and sticks of cinnamon. If you're down to muddle some fresh fruit, all that kind of stuff, it's perfect. It's great for experimentation and fine-tuning all of your mixologist skills. And then also, if you're a little bit more down-home and casual, you got that denim jacket on. It's just perfect for those short and sweet, simple go-to favorites that hit the mark every time. I'm talking about ranch waters and Moscow mules and Palomas and and Mexican Coca-Cola with Desert Door. What I love so much about Desert Door is just how genuine and authentically West Texan they are as well. They go out and harvest soto plants out in the wild 
and are aware and knowledgeable conservationists at heart. So next time you're at your neighborhood liquor store, get yourself a bottle of Desert Door. I'll throw a link into the show notes for more information. All right, if this is your first time listening to New Slang, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And yeah, let's just go ahead and get on into the interview. Here is the Wilder Blue. I know musicians. I mean, that's like the, <laughs> on the, uh, the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, obviously you guys released a record back in May, late May. Um, it got a lot of fun, a lot of fanfare for a lot of the, um, just kind of organic, the organic feeling of these songs, the harmonies, uh, a lot of people were just kind of blown away by. Are we going to call this a supergroup? A, I know. Uh, I mean the the supergroup thing. People, that's oh, how they sold me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just it's kind of gross to talk about. It's it just that feels gross. So yeah. no. Well, I, that's I. We need another word for 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 supergroup or like alt group. I don't care what they say. I think this project. group is just super. <laughs> but. Obviously, like you guys released this record back in, like I said, back in the spring, we've been dealing with just the most ridiculously frustrating year uh, in a long time due to everyone not being able to play around and stuff, the pandemic. Um, What I guess, like, take me back to like in May when you guys had just, you guys had already finished recording the record, was ready to release it. Was there any plans for like, switching up the game plan or anything what was kind of the 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 plans back in may yeah we did have to change up the game plan because the originally the plan was to do sort of a coordinated release in july with you know a week or two's worth of cd release shows in key markets mostly in texas but maybe around outside of texas some too we were going to try to do the whole, you know, record store signings thing. We were going to maybe do a radio tour, have a single out to radio by then and kind of do the, what I call the coordinated, uh, you know, big splash type of thing because it's our debut album and you kind of get one chance to, to be brand new. And, and basically when COVID happened in March, kind of realized that, you know, really our gigs, all those CD release gigs were going to get canceled. And really the, the income that we were counting on to sort of pay the publicist and the radio promoter and make all those things make sense, uh, basically dry it up on us. So we, um, we changed the gears to just putting it out uh, on the internet earlier than we were originally planning. We put it out in, I think April instead of July and then we um, we uh, we sort of switched gears, and we we made a, a part of our website where our fans could support us uh, with monthly donations and basically be patrons of the arts, kind of like Patreon, but our own hosted on our own website, so that we can deliver music directly to them. And so we sort of. Uh, we switched gears to that model and it's, it's, it's actually been going great so far. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, it, it just seems like that's really, you're just connected directly with the, with your fan base that way. Um, I know a lot of other fans or a lot of other musicians have started kind of going more that route, trying to figure out if they're able to do some kind of Patreon thing. Um, obviously you guys are connecting straight with people that way. How has that been? How is, has there been a little bit of a, a learning curve on trying to figure that out or has it been pretty, pretty smooth? I'll let somebody, somebody else take that since I've been talking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it was, it was, it's, I, I guess learning curve. We've never really done anything like that before. So just the opportunity to get going on, it was kind of, you know, we were trying to figure out for a while how much stuff to put up there and what to record and what to actually do with it. And, all that I would say that was our biggest talk. What you guys say is like just figuring out how we wanted to, what we wanted to actually give the fans from that website. As far as a learning yeah. curve goes, our our awesome uh, tour manager and sound guy and booking guy Sean set the whole thing up, and he's been pretty good with the electronic side of it. Yeah the the Wix we use Wix, and the the fact that they pretty much had all those features built in as far as where you can do membership levels and you can do automatic, uh, you know, credit card payments and you can do member only everything. We have a members only forum. That's sort of like a, a Facebook type feed. We have a members only theater where we can do live streaming or post videos. We have a members only, um, place where they can reserve front row seats to our shows. And then we'll, we, we set aside, uh, you know, special spots for our hideout members and all that functionality was all, was already just sitting there in Wix. Our Sean just had to learn how to use it. He did a great job making the website. Mm -hmm. I just like having a place that we can release music, just like boom, demos, boom, new song, just, vocal idea we have a place that we can just release it to our fans and um it's nice to be able to have an outlet like that and they like getting the jump on stuff like that because i think you know, so they're they're willing fans it's kind of nice yeah I think, yeah i think the hardest thing about the hideout is you know trying to force my brain to add another facebook to interact with you know that <laughs> that seems like a lot but That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm only, I'm only doing hideout. I'm, I don't even do Facebook. I check right. Twitter, I just but I don't over. post anything except, except our website. Actually, it's not as gross. Yeah. And we've been, <laughs> we're our last couple of uh, things that we had going into the studio got canceled for various reasons, but our goal when we sort of get back into the studio in January is to, um, give our hideout members basically one new song a month on average that's mixed mastered. And so even if, even if they don't want to mess with another uh, Facebooky social media type thing, they can, they'll just, they can at least just download a new song every month, you know, and know that they, that their money is how it was made. Cause we've already got enough people uh, signed up for it to sort of, you know, barely cover our recording costs, but it's enough. So it looks like knock on wood. I think our new, all the new music that we make from here on out will be, will be covered by these fan patrons. And then as we grow to that number, we can, 
start paying for the publicist and the the radio promoter and some of those other things to help get it out there more. Just saw some Prada Marfa on the screen there. <laughs> yeah, Paul. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love like the whole uh, kind of hideout thing, the, the Patreon thing. Um, I remember, I guess like the moon, Mike and the moon pies, they released or launched a, a Patreon a while back. And I know Mike was talking about how he thought, that was maybe one of the, 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 the things that we could, you could do right now is, is the Patreon, the, the, the connection, because like you're directing straight to the fan and it makes it where it's almost like you're part of a club and like people, yeah. like fan bases love being part of clubs and being on the, the inside and kind of like just being, you kind of like you, you pull that curtain back and you kind of, Hey, this is the creative process. This is kind of what we've been doing lately. This is something we've been working on. People eat that kind of shit up. Like they just love it. Like everyone does. Yeah. And we've got on the, another thing that we have on the hideout is we just put up a bunch of unreleased stuff that I had on my computer. So some demos that we made when we were first putting the band together that, you know, some of the songs didn't end up making the record but we put the demos up there and then guitar vocal stuff. We've got a, a, a new song that we've, that we have released to the hideout members. Um, and the way I originally wrote that song was sort of a different direction. What we kind of completely changed the groove and the chords and the melody pretty much. Um, and so the original version of that song is on the hideout so anytime like that where we ended up having alternative versions or songs that didn't make the record, the hideout members get all that stuff. And, you know, just, I just posted a new song on there yesterday. So when I, whenever I write a new song, um, I just make a video of it on my phone and slap it up there. And that's uh, like Lyndon said, that's, it's fun for me to, to do that. And it's fun when we get something back from the studio, say from mastering and it's finished to immediately deliver it to our, to our fans is fun. Normally there's a, there's a pretty long delay because you're trying to get all your ducks in a row and, um, you know, set up a CD release and a publicist and a, you know, all, all the things that you're trying to get to hit all at the same time. But with the hideout, we just, we, we do it instantaneously and it is fun to do that. And then we plan to save that stuff up and then we can release that stuff to the wider public, you know, later on or on whatever time frame we want, but it's, it's fun to be able to send it out to our hardcore fans immediately, basically. Where we, and we have been mixing in house. I've been mixing at my, my house, just right here at the, at the desk in my room and it's it's been awesome to be able to just mix and then put it up there. Even rough mixes, we we put like a a mix that was just in the in the works. We even had a comp. We were we were going to have a competition between me and Paul Eason, but then Paul couldn't find his iLock to Pro Tools. <laughs> I think he ordered one, but then it got lost in the mail. And yeah. Uh, but uh, no, and we, and we should say it's, it's on our website, thewilderblue.com, and you can find it on there. We a lot of talk about it. We should send people there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to also just throw a, a link into the show notes for the Attaboy. for 
easy access. Yeah. You know, one of those things too about, um, about all this is I, I think like because of social media, because of just having internet access, um, it's played into our human, um, it's just the way humans are that you love kind of the instant gratification. That's why people love posting shit on Instagram and getting likes. Cause it just hits that, that <laughs> right. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, I, I, it, I hate to compare it, uh, finishing up a new song and having a rough mix. And cause it's, that's obviously higher quality art, but there is something really nice about like that same instant gratification of not having to sit on, you mentioned, you know, sometimes it feels like you just have to sit on songs forever because that's just the way the industry usually goes. And if you're able to just get it out so much quicker, yeah, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's like part of the, um, or you don't get tired of it or you don't forget it or you, there's nothing that you, you don't lose steam, I guess, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, this is still also so new. This is, I mean, this is this year still, <laughs> it feels yeah. like, right. It, it, this is the same year that we've released uh, an album. It just feels like a really, really long year, but yeah, it's, it's definitely working out just being able to put it right out there. Yeah. Um, it feels like now feels like basically what what's going on right now, as far as you guys creating is you're, you're kind of like going off the same, um, momentum as the record before it felt because this record it felt like all these songs are really organic and um it feels like the it, it just from from an outside perspective it feels like all those songs came together really organically and naturally and there's nothing that you guys just forced into a certain mold or anything like that um how i guess like going back to the record like take me back to the, the process of recording the record since you guys also did it all, you know, yeah. in house and everything. Well, it, it, it was, it was, it, it wasn't as easy and as organic as you made it out. <laughs> That's cool. That it, that it came across like that. Oh yeah. But no, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, the songs are uh, of such high quality, uh, Zane and, uh, mostly Zane well, and, and Paul. Then, you know, well, and we, I mean, we took a lot of time sort of pre-production wise. I mean, we mm-hmm. were cutting a bunch. We cut a bunch of demos of a bunch of songs. How many did we end up with saying? I can't even remember that we were trying to decide through. Yeah, we did about 20 demos. And that was uh, part of that process was trying out different people who we might want to have in the band. <laughs> and we would just get together and kind of jam in the studio for a couple of days. And so we came out of that, of those things with, demos we did three or four of those trips and um and then we re then we went in and re-recorded all of that stuff for real you know in an in a nicer studio but we ended up doing it in two or three different studios and and so i don't even know if we kept any of the original drums originally we recorded drums and i've you know i played everything we brought it back to the studio i was working out with uh, stormy cooper media in houston and i ended up recutting all the drums and going with a completely different approach, like a, like a tight, like a tighter sound instead of like a big roomy sound. So I, yeah, I completely redid most of the drums and percussion just for like a, a more just close up tight old school sound. So, yeah, yeah. we didn't want to, we didn't want to quit on it until it was, 
everything that we wanted it to be. You know what I mean? We, the, the, this is a, this whole project is just a, us doing what we want to do because it's what we like. And we, we wanted, um, like with those drum sounds, we just weren't happy with the drum sounds. Lyndon is the drummer and he wasn't happy with the drum sounds. And so we were like, let's do them again. Let's get it right. <laughs> what do we got to do? What, what do we, where do we need to go? What do we got to do? And it ended up in the case of those drum sounds, it ended up, um, being him, you know, just getting back to his home studio where he was comfortable and taking the time to get the mics in the right place and putting and blankets on on the drums and blankets muting. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of random stuff. And once he got that dialed in, we were like, "Oh, well, this is way better." So let's just recut all the drums. But by that time, you knew the songs pretty dang well. So, um, but it, it was that way on all the different parts. We we were we all we play all the parts on the, on the album. Um, there was a bass player named Rachel Loy who, um, was involved for a bit on the project and she played bass on a few of the songs, but the rest of it is all us. And, um, you know, it's my, my goal for this group was always to just find five really talented guys. And then we each just basically play what, what we feel and what we're good at, what we're best at. And then that's our sound is whatever the five of us sound like together. And so that's, uh, that's what we're doing. This episode of new slang is brought to you by hot damn coffee. Rolling in from the hills of Eastern Tennessee is hot damn coffee. It's a down home company that roasts single origin, high quality coffees from around the world. Their year-round roasts come from certified farms in Ethiopia, Tanzania, and Nicaragua. Check out the Hot Damn website over at hotdam.coffee. There you can find more info on their operation and roasting process and some helpful tips on how to brew the best cup of coffee. They've certainly made my mornings that much better. And to be perfectly honest, I enjoy a nice cup of coffee at all hours of the day. Some of my favorites have been the Tanzanian pea berry in medium roast and the medium roast of Nicaraguan with the honey process. While there, check out their Hot Damn Coffee Club, which is a monthly subscription service. With the holiday season coming upon us, it's just really kind of the perfect gift. I don't care how difficult or easy a person is to shop for, they'll always be good with items like high quality coffee. And of course, right now, if you throw in the promo code SLANG in all caps, that's S-L-A-N-G, you'll get 20% off your order. And if you're signing up for the Coffee Club subscription service, they'll take 20% off that first month and also throw in a bonus 8-ounce bag of their Nicaraguan coffee. Again, that's SLANG in all caps. Head over to hotdam.coffee and sign up today. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, like what's... I find like what's so amazing is like those harmonies just feel so natural. And um, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where you can take five musicians or four or whatever the case is and have them sing. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Uh, you guys all sound so well together and it, it feels like you can go with like your, your prototypical harmonies as far as, if I just threw out the Eagles or something like that, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. But I feel like you guys also do some really interesting harmony things on this record as well. How, uh, how was that, like building up these, 
kind of like that wall of sound when it comes to the harmony aspect. Ooh. Well, Lyndon's a genius. No, I appreciate that. It's just awful kind words, brother. I appreciate all of those things that you said, man. It's really, really super cool. Uh, I think it started off as Zane, Zane actually sent out uh, uh, a song called Dixie Darling, and he sent it to me. And then um, I put on the higher harmony. I, I just put on a part, and then I sent it to, to Paul, uh, Paul Eason over there, the beautiful uh, South western man the the sculpted chin that is mr paul eason uh and then he put on a lower part and then we got it we put it together like oh snap this could this could this could work and then we have two other dudes that can sing like like birds as well um sean rodriguez and andy rogers and so figuring out which parts are going to be there how do we accentuate the melody but like support it you know how do we build it uh and so I think we're still in the experimental phase of the band. I mean, I think it's still yeah, I st- brand, I brand still new. Think, yeah, I still think we're we're still figuring that out. We've, we've talked a lot about, like, I can't wait to hear our second album kind of, you know, that yeah. kind of thing with the band where it's like, okay, you've settled in a little bit, and now mm. we know what works. Like, for our singing-wise, like, I mean, we found out pretty early, like, me and Lyndon, like, blend pretty well on the high spectrum as far as mm-hmm. just, like, we just, we are pretty sound a lot alike. And so like the combination of being able to move five different voices around and, you know, in five different ways is, is a real, is a real uh, fun thing to be able to do with a band for sure. It's a rare benefit. Yeah. Very, very, very rare. Most of my friends are like, man, I can't believe you're in a band. Five people can actually sing. I mean, I wasn't joking. That was part of the cell super group. Everybody sings. And I was like, that sounds pretty super. I I could give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, and we got it, him. It was it was very intentional. Uh, I wanted uh, you know everybody to be able to sing and play great, but you know that I do feel like there was a little bit of luck. Um, there was a little bit of luck in having it all come together, but also a lot of intentionality too. I mean, we we tried out some people who you know that we ended up not going with just because maybe the, the vocal blend was good, but not great. Like just not quite what we wanted. And we, it was pretty hard to to say no to somebody that we knew was really good when we thought that there might be something better out there, but, but we didn't know who that would be. And so we had to take some chances like that and kind of just, hold hold to a high bar um when putting this whole thing together and it took a while to to put it together i mean uh we had shows booked for for january uh of 2020 and we didn't get sean rodriguez our bass player uh sort of officially involved until what october november sean september september uh, maybe mid to late september yeah, yeah, we were. It wasn't too long after you came off with Bree, though, right? As far as we kind well, of stuck into another band. They called me the next day, and I was just like, "Can I just <laughs> have two or three weeks?" <laughs> uh, I remember that one for sure because, like I said, we we sort of had what we call the core four. We had we had the core four, and we'd made a bunch of these demos because Andy also plays bass, and so he just fantastically played bass. Yes, and <laughs> and banjo and dobro. But we really needed a singing bass player and. We were starting to sweat it, and then we saw that Sean had left the Bree Bagwell gig, and 
I remember seeing him play with her and sing high harmony above her. And I was just like, okay, universe, please just let this guy want to be in our band <laughs> so that we can just move, move forward. But yeah, the, um, the blend, I do think we kind of lucked out on the blend because it, it it's a, and then like the guys were saying, we're, we're still monkeying around and, and working on like, you know, well, should we have these two people double this part or should we have this be a single part, not a doubled part? And yeah, and, it's just, we're just, we're just trying to figure out how to utilize those options. And like we all line line between overdoing it. Right. I know. I yeah. think we all know how to play our instruments real well, but the, the thing that we have not had a chance to do really in your entire, I mean, even for me playing music and I came from a bluegrass world where like people sang harmonies all the time, but there weren't necessarily five people trying to sing <laughs> full on harmonies for most of a song and, um, you know, at 85% of a record. <laughs> yeah. Which turns out it's actually hard to do. It's, it's, it's hard, actually yeah, it's, hard, hard to do and play well at the same time. You can make a record all day. And we, we, we spent, I mean, how, so from when we, from when you sent out that, that first demo, Zane, how long before we had a record? Uh, over a year, right? A year and a half. Yeah, definitely over a year. Two years, maybe? No, I, I mean, think those it was, last, I those last was two songs two. didn't go on until I, until I went into the studio. Right. <laughs> so it was probably a while. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the, uh, the first, I guess, Paul, do you remember when I first texted you about that we should be in a band together? Was that 2017? I remember I was standing on a pile of uh, blocks of cement in Del Rio, Texas, but I don't remember what it was, like 2017, is that what you said? I think it was 2017. Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah, and and um, so it just, it took a, took a long time to put it together, but, uh, you know, hopefully we're just getting started. I think so far it's it's been what I wanted it to be. Yeah. COVID be damned. We actually <laughs> like each other too, so that's a plus. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a plus. Yeah. Well, you know, that's like the it's it's interesting you talk about like how you, know, you feel like you're kind of just like scratching the surface on the harmony part, just trying to figure out where what y'all can do. Um this is gonna sound strange, but like I feel like a lot of bands they think of like the harmonies as like kind of an afterthought. Um, sure. When, when making a record and there's so many things you can do that are interesting um, that aren't just like, you know, you guys all sing in the same line. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. stuff where you can have like the, like a call and response and stuff like that. Right. You guys kind of do a few things like that here. Um, right. Yeah. I, I just, I think like that's just kind of um, for starters, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's cool. And um, not a lot of people, especially down here, are kind of doing that, even though, you know, we roots of, of country music and bluegrass and all that are ingrained in, in singing, you know, harmonies yeah. together. So, yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's a rare benefit to get five people who not only can all play well, but can also all sing well in the same thing at the same time with at least, you know, similar enough vision <laughs> that you can kind of all see the same picture, right? 
Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah. Well, as far as like the songs go, like, you know, Zane, when you were writing, were, were you, do you, did you have something in mind for like when you were writing like, oh, this is a Wilder Blue Hill Country song? Um, should I hold on to this for something else? What, what was kind of that process as far as like knowing where a song went? That's yeah. a good question, man. Well, um, I definitely had fun specifically trying to write harmony driven songs, kind of like what you're talking about where there could be call and response or there could be three part harmonies right from the get go. Uh, like even on the verses, um, sort of Crosby stills and Nash style or whatever. So I definitely wrote a bunch of songs and still am writing a bunch of songs that I, I am thinking specifically of our group harmony wise. That's where I started nowadays. I know everybody's playing style enough to where I can sort of imagine that this is a groove Lyndon would like to play or that Sean would like to play, or I can imagine that this is a song that Andy's banjo will sound really good on or whatever. So I have that in the back of my mind and I do, I can't always control what, comes out of my brain as a songwriter so i do have some songs that that i just wrote them and i don't even really know if they work for our group or not and when that happens you know i just we just add them to the pile you know and and if um at any given when it's time to go into the studio and record something we just look at the pile of songs that we have um wherever they come from whether from me or from paul or from outside uh, songwriters wherever and then we um we record the things that we're most excited about and um you know someday if i if i have a pile of songs that we know for sure don't work for the band then i can always put them out as a solo project or something but for now i'm i am putting them out to the hideout members and that's kind of good enough in some ways yeah you know? I, I feel like the cool thing about what like for zane especially zane's songwriting and paul's even as well but like zane's such a good storyteller mm-hmm. and i i i'd almost because i played bass for zane's solo band for several years before we started this group and was playing a bunch of his material through that whole time you know but like i feel i feel like the like i love the way zane has, the songs he's been writing lately about that seem to fit our band a little bit better, not necessarily saying he's doing that specifically on purpose, but I almost feel like where his, where his mindset and his direction is going and this more flowing, these more storytelling, this more just, uh, you know, just not run of the mill. We're, we're trying, we're not necessarily, we don't give two craps about being number one on a pop radio station or something. We want to, we want to make the best song we can make. And lyrically speaking, Zane's been kicking ass lately. So it's crazy, man. He freaks so what me we out. Do, what we try to do is just, you know, support that in that sense with what we do. You know what I mean? It's like just putting all the pieces together. You don't understand like, like, like daily. You're like, Hey guys, uh, just playing it cool. Yeah. I wrote a new song. Check it out. Yeah. It's like, what? That's like the best song I've ever heard. Yeah. He's <laughs> happening he's, like daily. He's real, good at, he's real good at sending you a song. He just wrote that somehow touches your soul to its very core at that moment. <laughs> me. Really Several not necessarily prepared. I've broken down in tears because of Zane Williams songs before. It is. <laughs> 
on the way into HEB with the headphones yeah. in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Making people cry is my superpower. It's my forte. <laughs> real. It's real. <laughs> Kevin, made, made Kevin Bacon cry. If, if I, if, if I've made I Kevin recall. Bacon cry. Yeah, I've made Carrie Underwood cry. See, man. That's real. <laughs> that is real. We're not supposed to talk about the Carrie Underwood thing. The court case is still pending, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, speaking of all the, like the, I guess like maybe Luke Combs cried too, right? Was that kind of a, a, an interesting crying, street man. cred? It's, in, like, it's implied that he cried. He cried. He cried tears of Coors Light. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's like it's one of those things where you've you've seen a lot of, of press attached with that of like you kind of getting uh, the street cred from Luke Combs, the stamp of approval. Um, it's always interesting to me when, or surreal whenever like you go, Oh yeah. Like these people listen to music too. And like, they're, <laughs> yes. you know, they, they find all of these, you know, if we're going to want to call, uh, independent music, you know, indie stuff. And, um, yeah. Where were y'all whenever you guys kind of came across that? What a cool dude. Just first off, what a cool guy. Luke Combs is that he's at the the level that he's at, but he still takes the time to go out and listen to music and then, and then calls us out on the internet. That is incredible. That's amazing. What a dude, man. I just, I think it speaks volume of his, of, of his character, you know? Yeah. It, that's what you want to believe, you know, about big name people, but I don't I always know if that's the case that, that they would be a music fan. I mean, we're all, we're certainly music fans and I listen to music all the time, but for him to just shout us out out of the blue, cause I, I'd never met him. None of us know him or we didn't even know that he knew we existed. And our, we just got a, a text to our group thread from our tour manager, Sean saying, uh, this just happened on Twitter and he sent us a screenshot and, and uh, you know, we were all just like, Whoa, okay. Well. I, was a, I was a couple days behind from that. I was camping in broken bow at the time. So I came out, I came out a little bit behind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But all my friends thought that was a lot cooler. I mean, I, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> ever, ever, like even my, like my sister, just immediately, I was way, I was a better brother, maybe a better person. You know? well, I, I, I'd actually been before, it was like, but a lot of my family was like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, you do play music for a living now. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what Andy said that, like, when it happened, is like, it takes uh, somebody famous to tell everybody else. What, 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 what was that? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, it was something like that. It was basically like, it, t- it just takes that a, a famous artist to tell somebody what they should listen to a lot of times. Yes. <laughs> yeah there's that's not always the case obviously but yes it helps like two things on that is like i think with family like i don't know um anytime i've been doing this for a long time right and uh been interviewing a lot of people that i loved and um but then like you get that one person that like your grandma knows and then all of a sudden it's like oh, okay like this is what, what you're doing is real um yeah. And then yeah. two, like, uh, I think like, you know, early on, like you guys were kind of getting a little bit of, um, people being like, well, Hill Country is kind of a, 
maybe a lazy name or like, how are you going to be able to Google it? All that kind of stuff. I think that kind of proves that wrong though, because if Luke Combs was able to find it just by, you know what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was like, yeah. you know, early on, like folks were kind of, well, Hill Country, what does that even mean? And Well, I think the thing that too helped with that is I, 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 I'm to assume, I guess Luke seemed, he knew some of Zane's solo work as well, just kind of, throughout the years, not saying they didn't know each other necessarily, but it might've came on his radar. And then of course mm-hmm. Zane was doing a big pump up to being like, I have this new project. I have this new band. It's going to be super cool. Everybody, you're all going to love it. And you know, I think that kind of helped as well. This episode of new slang is brought to you by the blue light live here in Lubbock, Texas. Blue light has undoubtedly been my home away from home over the years and has played such a vital role, not only for my development as a journalist, but obviously it's been one of the foundational pieces for a lot of your favorite songwriters and bands who have made it out of the Lubbock area over the years. And of course, as a music venue, they've played such a pivotal role for a lot of your favorite bands just in general. One of my favorite parts about Blue Light is just how versatile the place can truly be. I've seen it crowded and rowdy on a Saturday night for a rock and roll band, And I've seen it dead still on a Wednesday when a legendary singer-songwriter rolls through town. What you should do is go over to bluelightlubbock.com and check out all the new merch they've added. Hats, t-shirts, both short and long sleeve. They also have hoodies and koozies and just added some sweatshirts that are very much an homage to the college sweatshirt that John Belushi wore in Animal House. And then, of course, maybe the crown jewel of their new merch is the Varsity Club-style jacket in blue satin. I got one the other day. And yeah, it's just one of my favorite things I own now. And yeah, I don't know. I just love it. Anyway, you can check out all of their new merch over at bluelightlubbock.com. As always, I'll throw a link into the show notes for easy access. Okay, let's get back to the show. I want to go back to obviously like kind of the, I know you guys aren't doing live shows like in or many live shows right now. Uh, due to just the world we're in right now. But, and, and maybe this is like a little bit different because it seems like you guys are, you guys do have a lot of material uh, kind of in the works and this record being 12 songs long. I was going to ask like early on, where did you guys, how did you all envision uh, working any of the the solo material from Zane or Paul in, or was it always just going to be these sets of, this set of songs? For like a live setting, we we started playing more of Zane's solo stuff, and we've kind of drifted away from it. Not particularly for lack of wanting to do it, but just mostly because we have all these awesome songs that are, I guess, Wilder Blue songs that we really love. And the same with Paul. Paul had a couple of his singles and stuff that we we still play live. I definitely think there's an element of fan service to it. You know, obviously we have a lot of fans who are Zane Williams fans. You know at the outset who, uh, you know, I'm grateful to all of them for giving us a chance. They seem to like it. <laughs> yeah, they, I, w- I was worried too. I was worried about the Zaniacs, man. I didn't yeah. want to let them down. I didn't want to take got that a man. Scary, just they got a scary name. Music. Zaniacs. <laughs> Zaniacs, man. <laughs> yeah. But I think they've accepted us. Yeah. yeah. I like what, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess what you're saying is, um, yeah, we didn't, we weren't like trying to exclude Zaniacs whatnot we were did a couple of his like we still play ride with me here and there and we used to play jake and jill a lot and 
this recently weekend we did like a little trio show with me paul and zane and we ended up doing a whole bunch of zane's material paul's still yet to learn it all but <laughs> paul's not out here to defend himself never mind <laughs> we um we've been messing around i mean sometimes i'll open for us you know so i'll do like a 30 minute solo set before the band or after the band or you know if somebody comes up and is like mad that i didn't play pablo maria or something then i'll just whip out my guitar and play it for them after the show off the side somewhere um we're we're <laughs> We just have fun making music and, you know, we want to, we want to give the fans what they want, but, but we also, we are a sort of a different project than the Zane Williams stuff. So for the most part, we do Wilder Blue stuff at our shows, but we're not like, like Andy was saying, we're not super strict about that, but I kind of figure, you know, I still do some solo shows, uh, like, especially on weekdays and stuff. Uh, when the band's not busy, and so people can always and I have a Zane Williams, there. I have a Zane Williams cover band up front too. Yeah, uh, very lucrative. Uh, very lucrative. <laughs> uh, yeah, the yeah the that's going to be happen at some point during down the line, like fifteen years from now. You'll have like various cover bands of Texas country artists. Yeah. Blue. <laughs> I thought about that the other day, man. I thought that, yeah, I thought it'd be funny that there's going to be like a Co Wetzel cover band by a bunch of like 14 year old kids. <laughs> <laughs> or what about, I don't know why that tickled about, me so much. That's funny. Do you like to, I like to think about how, like, one day, like, I don't know, like 40 years from now, all the old dudes will get go out to the bars and play Co Wetzel covers and all the young kids will be like oh god these old guys playing this old West cover. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that gonna happen i don't know i might have it hope so that's might luckily, luckily we write we write our songs like old men anyway so we're just yeah. like yeah Geez. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting to see uh these trends and these the way the music scene goes as far as like I guess like as a journalist, I always wonder, I guess like as a journalist, you're always wondering or scared that you're not going to get, you're going to become out of touch with what's happening. And you like, do do I not have my thumb on the pulse anymore or something like that? And uh, every once in a while, you'll come across something that's super popular and you're going, I, am I old now? Yeah, I think one of the good the things that attracted me a lot to this band as well was the fact that we weren't trying to be too concerned with that pulse so much as we were trying to be concerned with making quality music, recording quality music, and you know just putting out the best stuff we can do as the the way that we are basically, you know, and not trying to mold it into any sort of shape. I mean, like you were saying, that whole record has got. Um, you know, a bunch of different kind of styles on it, a bunch of different th- approaches at tunes, real electric, real acoustic kind of stuff, you know. So that was always a big sell for me, at least for this band. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that like an important, an important aspect of, of what y'all do that makes it feel organic and natural and just kind of that, I hate to say carefree, but in a way like that um, is because you guys aren't just doing the 
uh, bass, drums, electric guitar, acoustic. You know, it's there is yeah. that banjo, that mandolin. There is those different aspects, those different instrumentation that that kind of, um, you know, it's refreshing and it's nice and it's and it obviously again it lends to being kind of a uh, more of an organic feel and and mood. Yeah, it I, it definitely helps. Like uh, you know, all of us you know playing other instruments. I, I know myself personally. I'm playing like four or five instruments in this band. In, at different you know different times and for different specific tunes and so it's kind of funny when we get in the studio and we're like well what should i do on this on this team yeah. specifically who's you know, playing what like, yeah what should i play it should it be dobra should it be blah 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 and also paul playing mandolin you know and he's a great acoustic player with that you know flat top picking stuff and also electric and zane's getting his flat top chops up he's about to take some ripping solos here in the next decade maybe he's close yeah, yeah. He's, he's about a decade away from a ripping solo well, and don't forget to note that Andy is the backup drummer for the Wilder Blues. Also that, and the bass player. I'm both of those things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're going to make him do it all at once. And I, well, hey, and this, this record was my accordion debut. That's I played, true. I forgot to mention Zane's accordion chops. I played accordion on, uh, and I, I learned that just for this band, just to have something to do while Paul was playing acoustic and singing lead, because... You know, so um, that that was actually fun. I, I, I turns out I really like that instrument. I grew up playing piano, so I thought it might be low hanging fruit for me to pick it up, and um, it it kind of fits with Paul. The, if if Paul is playing it and singing it, it probably has sort of a southwesterny vibe to it, and accordion goes well on that kind of stuff. So. Well, you can smell you can smell that incense burning when Paul's singing. So, yes. <laughs> well, can you can you expand on on that? Like, obviously, your entire career, Zane, you've been the front man, and with this project, it feels very much more of a a collaborative. This is a, a band. It's not like Zane and the band, um, right? So there are those moments where you're you're not you're stepping to the back, to the side, whatever. Um, is that like, I guess like going with that, like you, you, you just mentioned learning accordion, you know, um, do you feel like there's any like pressure taken off by where this is like, you know, a five person, uh, endeavor and less, maybe less pressure on you. Um, you, you can like kind of step to the side and, uh, be more we, of a side person. At no, no, no. We like to we like to keep the pressure on Zane high. That keeps him on <laughs> yes. his toes. Yeah, so he's still in charge of a lot of things. Uh, I am still in charge of more things than I'd like to be. <laughs> but uh, well, I will say that I definitely um, love the idea, and I've always loved the idea of being part of a group. Um, so if you, if you have sort of on one extreme, you have like the guy who's on the jumbotron and you can even barely even see the background, the, the band in the background, they're just sort of dark shadowy figures back there. Or you have something like the Eagles where you have multiple lead singers and, um, you know, you have a, them playing off of each other musically and stuff. I, for me, I've always liked that second thing better the the band thing better and i a lot of 
in the past, I just didn't feel like I was a good enough musician to, to pull that off or to attract those kind of players. And, um, I was more of a singer songwriter. See, now I've always, I've always felt that was unfortunate about what, how Zane's feeling. Cause he's such a talented songwriter. He's, I mean, I don't know if I would know anybody and I, and I've studied here in, in town in college studying music that works as hard at trying to be better at their instrument than Zane. <laughs> he practices much more than I think probably the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is my goal to be sort of worthy. Like, I, I mean, you think about like a Glenn Fry or somebody, he played electric and acoustic and played keys. And, you know, he was a real musician as well as a, hall of fame songwriter and lead singer and stuff. So for me, that's the bar. And the main thing that I, that I still have a lot of work to do on is, uh, playing my instrument, but that also keeps it fun for me because, you know, like, um, it's just a new, something new to do. And the more, the more comfortable I get on my instrument, the more musical I can be. And so when, when Paul is uh, singing lead, um, I, I, I do have to concentrate pretty dang hard on the accordion, you know, since it's a new instrument for me, but it's definitely fun. I definitely enjoy just mixing it up, man. Just Lyndon, Lyndon sings lead on some stuff. We got some songs where we trade off on verses and stuff and I can just sing harmonies. I love singing baritone harmony. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a lot more, it's still a fair amount of pressure and a lot of, it's not easy put it that way it's not like i'm just back there i guess if i were only just playing rhythm guitar and singing that would be pretty easy but it's still a lot uh for me to think about but it's fun because it is a lot more variety there's just sort of uh i can play lots of different roles and i enjoy that yeah like it's the um I, I'm assuming, you know, like when, once you guys start playing a lot more, it'll be one of those things where like that you'll, I guess I hate to say like, well, I'll say it like this. Like you mentioned, you're not, you're not just like zoning out playing rhythm, you know, in the back or something like that. Or right. so it, I guess like being, I hate to use this word, but engaged, you know, it has to be a little bit more refreshing for you to, to just, I don't know, just not zone out, I guess, you know, because anytime anyone can just zone out in something that they do forever. Yeah. And an, another way in which, you know, this gig uh, addresses that for me is that it's a, it's an entirely brand new set, right? So as a, as a solo actor, any kind of act, you just get into a, a, a situation over time where, you know, you're playing this, you're playing the hits, right. And there's songs that you've been playing for years. And, um, I, it's not to say that I ever had that many hits per se, but we certainly played certain songs every night, no matter what. And, uh, with the wilder blue, part of the fun of it was, okay, well, what if I didn't have 99 bottles? What if I didn't have Jaden and Jill, what if I had to start from scratch and build a, a new brand new 90 minute set? What would I do? And, um, and that's what, that's what we did as a band is, is uh, just start from scratch. And um, yeah, that stuff is still developing for us too, as far as set, you know, set preparation and putting everything in order and 
making an actual show. We're still trying to figure out how they all fit together and what's the yeah. best approach for certain things. So that's thing still has to be everybody's pretty much on their toes because if if anybody messes up in, in the band, we'll we'll all we'll all let everybody know about it. Yes, <laughs> yes, very, very loudly. So. <laughs> this episode of New Slang is brought to you by New Slang. So obviously, you're listening to New Slang right now. That probably means that you enjoy it, or at least you enjoy some of the conversations with the artists that are on here. Well. You may be interested in helping support New Slang a little bit more by doing one of a handful of things. One, stop by our New Slang merch store and order some merch. Right now, there's t-shirts, koozies, buttons, stickers, magnets, and a handful of keychains and the like. Two, if you like New Slang just a little bit more, you can join the New Slang Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's like a subscription service. Since New Slang is free, it's a great way to get some extra bonuses, and additional content. For example, if you subscribe to the Postcard Pal tier for five bucks a month, you'll get ad-free episodes, updates on upcoming guests, and monthly new slang postcards. The postcards are essentially little mini show posters that I started designing to highlight that month's roster of guests. Like right now, we just ended the month of November, so November's show poster is a denim jacket where all the episode guests are individual buttons pinned to the jacket. Right now, if you sign up for the Patreon, I'll go ahead and make sure you get all the back prints. Again, signing up for the New Slang Patreon or purchasing something from the New Slang merch store are great ways to help support New Slang. Another easy, simple way is to give us a five-star review over on iTunes and share New Slang with all your friends and family who you think may enjoy New Slang. Links to both the Patreon and the merch store and all of our social media stuff is in the show notes. Okay, let's get back to the episode. You guys mentioned earlier about, you know, a lot of these songs being storyteller songs. Um, a lot of these, they're, they're, they are those little character vignettes about common people. Um, I feel that, has, that lends into the, the mood and vibe of the, van, of the band and as well of this record. Um, where, where do a lot of these characters come from, do you feel, Zane? Um, well, I mean, they come from me somehow, some way or other. I, I don't know, I guess, you know, whether it be there, I'm not always specifically thinking about a specific person usually when I write a song, but, but I am obviously, I'm writing about sort of the world as I see it or as I want to portray it. Uh, I'm telling the story I want to tell. So, you know, sometimes it's storytelling is weird because <laughs> there's only a tenuous relationship with the truth right? <laughs> in any given storytelling. You're, you're telling a story. So sometimes you have a truth that you want to convey about the world. And other times you're just telling a story. It's you're literally just making it up because it's a good story. I, it, it, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was saying in somewhere down the road, you had a specific person in mind, right? Is when you're right yeah. in, like, in at least one of those verses. Um, so I, I know that's an example of that, at least drawn from people, you know, 
Yes, Drew, you know, the the last verse of that song talks about a guy named Drew Runes who always used to come to my shows and he got cancer and one of the last times I saw him, you know, was at a show at the Mule Barn in Justin and, you know, he, he had a bald head from, from cancer and he was hoping to uh, get get well enough to be well enough to go on uh, this Texas country cruise that he had won tickets for. Well, actually somebody else won the tickets and then gave them to drew and he ended up passing away before he could go on that. And um, so I definitely, you know, there are some, there are plenty of songs where I'm thinking about real people and specific people. And then there are other songs uh, like, you know, Janie Lynn is just uh, it's more just a uh, almost like writing a, a novel or a movie or something about that. That song is kind of said in the 1800s and, you know, I'm just making that stuff up. Yeah. Like it's fun. what my favorite, like as far as that goes is this, the new tune that we do called Oki soldier. It's just such a good <laughs> lyrical song describing, you know, a soldier's like, just his experience in a war. It's just really cool. Zane does a real good job with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see how, especially whenever you're talking about a character or a set of characters, how, you know, I think a lot of times we think of you just, you as the songwriter, um, being that wallflower, picking out someone and being like, this is their story. But off, often it's like, you know, three or four people um, that you've come across, four or five little characteristics of them and, and blending them together and, and, and coming up with some, someone who's entirely kind of new and, um, and different. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, it's almost like after you've lived long enough and you just sort of paid attention to the world and just had lots of conversations and lots of experiences. You, you, you can kind of uh, get this feeling in your head of what this character is like, even if they're not a real person. And it's, it must be an amalgamation of different people that you've met. Yeah. I always felt like from being on the road for so many years, people love telling musicians their stories about, things their life how their music has affected their life and things like that and you you sort of end up hearing a lot of the cross-section of a lot of different people's opinions and the way that they approach things and i, I always found that to be cool yes i always joke that pretty much everybody i know is better qualified to write country songs than i am because they all seem to have more drama in their life than <laughs> <laughs> you know i've been happily married for 20 years and you know, things are going it. well, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, I hear people's stories all the time of, you know, just jail and cheating and, and hardship and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but <laughs> I did know, try to start I, a campaign to make Zane, I tried to get Zane to have some hard times a couple of years ago. <laughs> so they would help his songwriting, but he didn't yeah, seem to yeah. latch onto it. The Ruin Zane's Life campaign. <laughs> I bet yeah, you some really good songs would come out of that one. <laughs> no, there is something to that whole thing where um, I, I, 
I always go to this thing that, okay. So like one of my, one of my buddies, we, we talk about um, a lot of times journalists and, and fan bases kind of use uh, authentic and genuine interchangeably and they're different things. Um, you don't have to like, long story short, a little bit of authenticity, authenticity goes a long way. Um, just because you're a coal miner doesn't mean you're going to write these really great coal mining songs. It's almost always like, uh, being able to like where like your grandpa was a coal miner and then taking his stories and then you're able to like write those songs or, um, and that's kind of like how a lot of the great storytellers, not just songwriters, but you know, novelists and, um, screenwriters. So they're always just kind of one, um, connection away from like the real quote unquote authenticity. And, and as right. long as like, it's genuine, that's like the, the key in all of that trying to find right. the truth. Yeah. As long as you're telling the truth, the way that you understand it, as opposed to just sort of spitting out a cliche that you think people want to hear. I will say that's dangerous telling the truth, the way you want to hear it. <laughs> yeah you know the uh the uh the truth and you know just in general like i said storytelling has a tenuous relationship with the truth it's it's interesting i do think about that a fair bit because uh, a story doesn't have to be true also to be impactful right so if a story is not true but it's especially if it's not factually true but it's an impactful story that makes people feel an emotion then is there not some truth there and you know what i mean and then even even if once you've created that emotional reaction it for those people it's true for them right right yeah absolutely you're connecting with some sort of emotional truth. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, it gets, it, you can get philosophical about it. It's interesting. No, I, I love that. And I, I often think about how, um, and this just comes with, with being a musician and a, a front man is we often romanticize the storytelling and you just kind of, as a listener, always take what the storyteller um, is singing as, as being not just truthful, but like being on the right side. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot of times yeah. You, yeah, absolutely. Older, absolutely. you go back, you, you hear and you go, Oh, you know what? Actually like, uh, he's actually the asshole in the song. It's not the girl. <laughs> like that, that's the easiest example, but like, you know, right. it's, um, I, I find that really interesting too about, about songs and, um, yeah. the, like, just because the, the person singing the song from a certain perspective, that's not necessarily like the, the hero in the story. Right. Yeah. Storytellers, we have a lot of uh, power because we're getting to tell the story the way we want to tell it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think about, well, like what you just said, I think about that a lot when the song is about, you know, Oh, I'm in jail because I killed somebody. Um, 
And uh, many times the person singing that is the hero of the song, right? Yeah, I killed these people and now now I'm going to death row or whatever. And some, some of those songs are really nuanced and well done, but others of them, they're just kind of pretty much bragging about killing people. And I've always thought that there's a little weird, like, like we root for that song and that song makes the artist that sings that song seem really cool and badass. But then if you were to actually meet that person who like actually killed, you know, his pregnant wife or something, you, you know, you probably wouldn't like that person or wouldn't be rooting for him. Or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but maybe you would if you got you to can. know him, though. And so that's 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 <laughs> nicely, of, nicely said. Nicely said. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, it. But but when you when you are the storyteller, you get to tell it in such a way that you are sympathetic with that character, you know. And like I said, the the other thing too is that a lot of music is not about truth; it's about entertainment. It's about escape. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to be truthful, I can tell you, I can write songs about the spreadsheets that I need to update with our monthly accounting. <laughs> or I can tell you about the, the trouble. I could write a song about the <laughs> troubles that I have with, you know, TuneCore customer support. Uh, but that's freaking boring. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> so, like, truth is is not always what you're going for. I mean, sometimes you want, you know, uh, some entertainment. So there's, I a think you could there. pull off a, a tune core customer service song. That'll make me cry. I, I, just, I, I think you could do it. Somebody will so cry. Cool. All right. <laughs> I'm thinking like full on concept record. Yeah. I'm more, I'm more red song about Apple support. And then somehow are lifted out by some, phone caller from India or something. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm into that. That could be next year's Festivus EP. We just, you know, write a bunch of complaint songs I, and I just, out on the internet. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just been trying to get them to do it. You know, I, I was, we were just talking the other day about albums by themselves, you know, people like artists making albums instead of like singles and things like that. I'm definitely interested in an entire concept album about Zane's problems with a little, yeah, Media. just the ev- the everyday problems, the the boring nitty gritty. I, you know, it, there might be a way. I, I I read Bruce Springsteen's autobiography, Born to Run, and what it struck me about Bruce is that he has a way of making the everyday sound epic, right? So he writes these songs about his mom. He writes these songs about the the tree that was growing like, you know, uh, on the side of the road in front of their house. But when he talks about this tree, it's like the most like poetic, grandiose, amazing thing you've ever heard because he, he sees it that way, or he, he at least presents it that way. And, and it, it kind of taught me that um, you can take, everyday ordinary things and a lot of my favorite songs i realized are that way where you know it's not necessarily always about a murder or some huge life event but sometimes it is just about having a cup of coffee you know in a yeah i was gonna say hey hey, Susanna is like a perfect example to me that's i don't know if there's a specific person you're thinking about but like that song connects to a lot of people because that's how they feel about their day and how they feel about their life and things like that which yeah. I you know, yeah. don't agree with 
Yep, making making the ordinary epics. So the 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 next album can be you know customer service phone trees. Mm. You know that can be that can be track one. Waiting on a record label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, going to that Springsteen thing, I've heard about people who like you know other they're from other parts of the country, giant Springsteen fans they go and like visit his hometown and are just kind of um, underwhelmed by how ordinary it is, how, and it it does go to that whole making ordinary things, the uh, just regular stuff, giving it a little bit of that epicness, that, uh, that romanticism. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's really, you know, part of a storyteller's job is to kind yes. of take that mundane and, and show that like, Hey, cause I, on a, on a, just a basic level, I mean, it's music is storytelling is a, an escape for people who have to do, you know, regular 40 hour, 50 hour work weeks, you know? So it's all yeah. important. Sure. Well, that Zane, like the Eagle is, I think, a good example of that, too, where you're talking about it's not actually an Eagle, but it's in it. And then the entire experience of it's a Walmart parking lot. It's not so grandiose as a giant valley in a mountain somewhere. You know what I mean? But the he shifted, shifted the lyrics enough to where it's like, OK, well, now this is a little bit more universal. And you kind of make a connection to that tune. Yeah. I think in years, people will come to Zane's hometown in McKinney and be like, okay, this place is all right. This is actually a pretty nice Walmart. It's a pretty nice Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that eagle was so bad. <laughs> Funny squirrels. Funny squirrels. Uh, so, like, probably, like, one of my favorite songs, and it also just kind of gets stuck in my head, is that Palomino Gold um so like frio river palomino gold like that where where was that kind of where did that stem from where where did that come from as far as when you were first writing on that yeah um well first of all i just got the 10 minute warning again so if we get kicked off we'll repeat um so palomino gold was actually um (laughs) I was thinking of band names. Golly, I can't tell you how many band names I've thought of or how many hours I've spent trying to think of band names. And on the list was Palomino Gold and um, Frio River Blue, I think. I think, or Frio Blue or something like that. I don't know. Because I would just sort of basically brainstorm a bunch of phrases and just write down all kinds of phrases or just little things that would pop into my head. And so I ended up thinking that those weren't good band names, but I thought that they were cool uh, images, I guess, because, you know, a a Palomino horse is a, is a blonde horse, you know, with sort of the golden mane. And um, so I basically took Frio river blue and Palomino gold um, as two little phrases that I liked that I thought had, you know, some poetic, uh, quality to them. And I basically wrote that story to go with those phrases pretty much. 
Yeah. I mean, I, cool. I think like a lot of times, um, just phrasing and like, just cause Palomino is also just like a cool word. And it's yeah. fun to say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it gets stuck in your head. And like, it's one of those things where, um, I've been doing stuff around the house and then like, I realize like, I'm just kind of humming just that course over and over again. Cause it just, yeah. it, it, it's an earworm. It just gets stuck. Totally. Yeah. We actually just released that one to Texas radio. So we're, you know, we haven't had a radio promoter. Um, we're just sending this stuff digitally out to the stations and hoping they play it. We haven't really been able to go on a radio tour like we'd like to um, because of COVID. But, uh, but we had Dixie Darling out um, for a few months and got some good radio play off of that. Um, and now we're doing Palomino Gold next. We'll see how that goes too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I think like those are probably my favorite two. I really like Adios as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I wanted to, I wanted to send that one out. That was one of my favorites for possible single getting out there. That tune is, is a real good one. I always kind of like just like the, I mean, this is not how they do things at all anymore. It feels like, but um, it's strange. Like thinking like the DJ picks out the song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that never happens anymore really. But um I mean, that's, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but. Well, that's what I've been telling since we don't have, uh, since we don't have a radio promoter, normally a radio promoter, they're real strict about getting all the radio stations to play the same song at the same time. So you can get it up on the chart, get number one. Um, since we don't have that and we don't, we care a lot more about just building a fan base than we do about chart position. I've been telling the DJs that I know personally um, to just pick, honestly, uh, I've been telling them, Hey, here's our single. And we want to make sure that you have that song. But also if you prefer some other song off our album, just play that, you know, and the Americana uh, chart is, is an album based chart. Um, And we haven't actually done anything for with Americana radio yet, but, it's on the radar that something we'd like to do, you know, if we had the budget. Um, but that's, uh, I like, that's one thing I like about the Americana format is that you basically send them the record and each station plays whatever they want to play. But, um, but all the, whatever song they play off your record, it goes towards your sort of numbers as far as being on the chart. Um, but I like the idea of, the local DJs picking the song that they feel like works best in their market. And just with what they're currently playing, you know, maybe they need a song that's kind of like this, or maybe they're feeling, you know, right. Do you want to, do you want a song that's more danceable? You know, Palomino goals, real danceable. Um, yeah. What, do you want I mean, like, go ahead. I, Andy. Well, I was going to say with, with Dixie Darling, it was like, I, all of us were like, it's a little more bluegrassy, a little more acoustic. And so like the, I had a lot of thought process going into like, okay, well, does the Texas country radio stations, they want to play something a little more bluegrassy. Now, of course, Sturgill put out that bluegrass record. And so they're playing bluegrass, actual bluegrass songs like all the time. So it was, you know, you're kind of trying to figure out what's going to be the best for that market. So, so to speak. Andy, are you saying that we were ahead of the times there? We, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
I always feel like bluegrass is ahead of the times, man. Do you, I, that's, it's it's behind and ahead. Because they lean forward on the beach so much. Yeah. That's where I live is behind and ahead at the same time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Limbo. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we're hitting on like that less than a minute thing, and I don't know if we necessarily need a another one. I mean, we this will be probably plenty good. Uh, we'll call it right okay. here if that's good with y'all. Thank y'all so much for for jumping on and doing this. Uh, I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank yeah, you, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah, man, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next time through Lubbock, we'll have to hang out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Good. We got. Hopefully, we have a good blue light show in our future. I think so. Hopefully. Very nice. All right. I'll see y'all later, man. Thank y'all so much. All right. All right, Take brother. Care. Peace. Thanks, team. Bye, y'all. Old team. All right, that is it for this one. Be sure to check out Hill Country by The Wilder Blue if you haven't already. Go stop by our partners over at Desert Door, Hot Damn Coffee, and The Blue Light Live. Check out our Patreon and the merch store. And yeah, that about does it. We'll see y'all next week for more new slang.